Hey everyone, this is Will from Beijing, China, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. Under this globalization, every country today on the map is seeking ways to what we called making noises. Some of the countries are quite significant. Others are still struggling, not only politically but also economically. Across the globe, that you might have realized how the younger generations across the world are not only pushing this political agenda, but also they're actively engaging the social and cultural wars as well. So that's why it's so interesting. In this episode, I want to focus on one of the largest countries in Asia, India. When we talk about India, not only that most people can come up with the number of the population, which is rather competitive with the neighboring countries, but also throughout the years, we have to say, or today we have to admit, how the younger generations, especially the contemporary millennials today, they are changing not only the society but also some of the creative and innovative ideas are also came out recently. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's our great honor to have Stik Hapunan all the way from India, and she's a journalist and a writer based in India. And she reported on national affairs for the Hindustan Times, and also her articles appears in multiple credible. Journalist resources, for example, New York Times, The Guardian, and the Foreign Policy, and most importantly, she recently came out with a new book entitled "Dreamers: How Young Indians Are Changing the World." Sunika, welcome to the Missing Piece. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, it's so exciting finally to connect with a real journalist all the way from. India. Now let's get to the questions. My first question is: How would you describe the younger generations today in India, and are they being traditional or they are being more Westernized? Given this condition, that more countries today seem to、uh, head to this direction of internationalism, how would you describe them, and what are the reasons led to such change or phenomenon? Uh, sure. I mean, if there's one word that I could use to to describe, you know, millions of young people that that we have in India, it would be anxious,、um, in not just in a bad way, but in a good way to you know, in 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 every way that I could think of,、um, to define themselves in a world that, in a country and a world that is changing so fast,、mm. um, and they want to find their place in it. They are eager to find. India's place in the world, and and to make an impact in their own country,、um, for India to have an impact in the world, and for their lives to change for the better.、Um, for the longest time, I mean, Indians have seen themselves or considered themselves you know, like Chinese as traditional.、Um, that was very much true until you know my parents' generation. But you know, things st- started to change quite rapidly since the nineties. Um, and the generation that's going up today, or that has come of age today,、um, sees itself in、um, in you know in a in a conflicted mode.、Um, their cultural values are still very traditional. They are very family oriented societies still,、uh, 
Um, you know, people have arranged marriages. They they respect their parents to the, to to large degree. They um, have like traditional jobs. They have very traditional views on gender and sexuality and religion. Um, but at the same time, they have um, they are much more exposed to the world today than people ever were in in the past. Um, mm. You know, it's it might um, you know. If my generation and my parents' generation only had television, they, you know, they they um, have grown up um, interacting with the world on social media. So they have very, um, you know, ex- expanded ideas of what it means to be successful and mm. um, and influential. And um, you know, this like even materially things that you should have in order to mm. in order for your for your life to be um, worthy. So. So they are very ambitious. They're very aspirational um, in terms of, like you know, their lifestyles and their income expectations. Um, but they are culturally very traditional. Snikta, you mentioned a lot of amazing points. Before we talk about your parents' generation, I want to focus on the younger generation. So let's get a little bit deeper because we know that. Country as India or the neighboring countries like China, the system or the societal system is becoming more complex than ever. And of course, we know not only because every single country it's becoming more internationalized, but also the younger generations today they tend to be more innovative or they tend to,、um, if I can use the phrase called think outside the box. So. How do you think the younger generations today in India are actually balancing this tradition and modernity? It seems it's really challenging how to be innovative. But meanwhile, I don't want to, or those people they refuse to lose the value of the traditional、uh, uh, treasure or the concept. At the same time, how do you think that younger generations in India today are actually balancing these two relationship? Um, you made some really good points in the question itself. Um, you know, a lot of them hold very true for India. I mean, the society is changing very rapidly. Um, and if I could describe very quickly, you know, the this the movement from the villages to the cities is. You know, at a at a pace that's、um, just unprecedented. So suddenly, you have these millions of people leaving their villages, their their small towns, and, and coming to the big cities to to work, to make a new life for themselves.、Um, you know, they if their fathers and their grandfathers worked on the farms and had a very rural lifestyle, suddenly they are supposed to you know pass.、Um, School or college, you know, pass university and get a job in a factory or an office or at a, a you know, at a at a government、um, with other the government. Except that you know the jobs. I mean, we don't have that many、um, mm. jobs for for them.、Um, millions of people are entering the job market in India every every month, but、um, or every year. But、um, the jobs that The government and the private sector are able to create are still very few. So you know, there for the last few years,、um, let's say the last like ten years, there's 
there's been in india this this like growing hustle culture which i mean you can call it the thinking out of box or being innovative but that that innovation and the sense of you know we must find a way to to be successful or or to carve out a path is coming from that hustle culture because there are the straightforward paths just do not exist for the majority of young indians so they so that, that's what my book is about and how do you you know when every second or third person is is so ambitious what are the ways in which then you know they will try to carve their own paths um and where will that lead um the whole country and 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 how those act, actions of so many millions of people will have an impact on the world in mm. like i said and you read the book party in good ways and bad ways mm. Now, because we are thinking about this innovation, or we are thinking about technological advancement, when we again address the issue by calling think outside the box, let me give you one example. For example, in China, there seems to be a brand new type of culture, and the culture is called entrepreneurial culture. So, in other words, this country is actually making greater effort. pushing the younger generations to be entrepreneurs even though we know as you mentioned probably in india the job markets are rather competitive and everyone would like to get a taste of this you know a uh, uh, icing on the cake but however it's fair to say that that being entrepreneurs today not only in china but i believe also in india it can be also competitive as well So that's only one of the unique characters to describe the younger generations in China. So Stika from your perspective, what are some of the unique characters of the millennials today? And I'm sure that you might have already covered in your book, but if I ask you to to distinctively name some of the unique characters of millennials today in India, what are some of the the names or some of the descriptions that you can share with us? Sure. Um, I, you know, one of the things that is common to many of them is that they they put a they put their you know their their faith in the tech um, in a way that that is that can be both very hopeful and kind of extreme. Um, and it's because of the various factors that I've described earlier. Um, so uh, you know, I mean, India is one of the the world's like largest user base for. most tech companies um more than 500 million people use the internet smartphones um so you know you'll see youngsters everywhere trying to make something out of mobile phone access or uh, try to create a business out of a, an app or trying to become a creator or trying to you know just launch a startup just from their phones so that is that's something that i came across quite often and uh some parts of the book are dedicated to that and you know how that journey can um can end you know mm. for for some of them um you know like i said earlier they are i i believe that um the millennials in india are still very attached to the cultural values of family being the center of their universe um they you know, the, you know i mean we are we are still a very religious society um like even though you know things are changing um like i said you know there's this great shift um going on where people are just constantly moving from 
the villages and small cities to the to the uh, bigger centers. So um, so there's like so they have to catch up very quickly. Um, so that there's a there's, so there's a lot of like tension between what they expect their lives to be and what they find the realities um, to be around them. Mm. And so like every day they are sort of negotiating um, those tensions and those uh, contradictions. I know you might have answered that question already throughout our conversations, but I always asked each guest, especially authors across the field, the cliche or the traditional way to open up the conversation is, why did you decide to write a book? It's called Dreamers, How the Young Indians Are Changing the World. Because let me, let me just be honest with you. Changing the world, that is such a bold statement. Because for years that I have traveled from countries to countries and I have met younger generations, you know, you could say in Great Britain, you could say in uh, Egypt or maybe in other countries in Southeast Asia, they're all trying not only just to change themselves, but maybe change within the countries. But you are so bold enough to say how the young Indians are actually changing the world. If I may ask a question, isn't that a little bit too exaggerated? What is your intention to write this book and why would you name it this way? Thank you. That's, that is a great question, and I get asked that a lot, and uh, in the in the same way. And, uh, and I also love to answer it in 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 whatever way that I can. Um, I wrote this book because you know India is one of the world's youngest country, and like China, we have such an overwhelming population of young people. Mm. And um, this this demographic dividend <clears throat> um, was supposed to really launch India into the world as a superpower, uh, and I don't know if you even know this, but at the you know at the beginning of the millennium, when there was a lot of uh, global discussion on what will be the emerging countries of the future, India was seen as one of them, and the fact that it its demographic demographic dividend was just going to explode um, was going to was seen as uh, you know its core power, um, and so I you know. Uh, as a journalist, when I started to work in Delhi, I, I saw the word being tossed around a lot. But then I also felt that I, you know, people didn't understand what that meant. Uh, politicians, corporate leaders, um, you know, tech um, companies, they all use this word, but no one was going out to understand what the young people were doing, thinking, wanting, uh, etc. So I, so that's why I wrote this book. Why the title? Um, you know, I believe that, like I said, I mean, there has about 600 million people that are, um, you know, under the age of 25, or even 35, uh, 30, if you put it um, broadly. And, you know, youths um, are linked to change. They have been throughout history. So their actions lead to, you know, shape the future uh, mm -hmm. and not just of their own, um, you know, place of birth. But, you know, if we're living in a globalized world, as you said, while launching the, the podcast, right? So if you have 500 million people in India, 
going in one direction, there will be an impact um, on the world um, of their actions. So, you know, as you know, I mean, of course, these I answer this question elaborately in the book, but you know, the way that their actions from voting to protesting is shaping democracy from the way that their actions are shaping what the future of tech will be because like i said i mean india is has one of the biggest user bases of um but biggest user bases of uh, internet companies in the world um so you know whether this future of democracy or technology and i'm keeping it short because it you know it's a, it's a brief podcast uh these um their actions and their views their politics and ideology they, you know, they choose a, a lead. They've chosen a leader um, twice now, who is um, seen as the leader of the world's largest democracy. Right? Mm. It is there. It is an overwhelmingly young vote. If they choose a leader who's seen to lead the world's largest democracy, it is a mm. message that's going out to the world, whether it's good or bad. Um, and you know the world today. You mean, the democracy summit is it's, it's still wrapped up. So you know the, the, you know he's he is a representative. Um, he is a representative of the world's largest democracy chosen by the. So just to keep it short, there the number of ways in which I see the actions and beliefs of Indian youth are shaping the world and Chinese youth and I think youth everywhere. So that's why the that's why the title of the book. That's a great way to really analyze. But again, we are going to talk a little bit more regarding the leader in India today. But right this moment, I still wanted to focus on the younger generations. Again, you're right, because every single country, the millennials, they are becoming more open-minded because they're exposed to social media and they're exposed to a lot more informations not only help them to think differently, but also challenge them to be more creative and to be more innovative in terms of career, in terms of lifestyle. But meanwhile, a lot more countries today, they are giving the younger generations a platform to begin to shape or gradually to turn into the country that they want to live. So let's shift back to India. How do you think, or the question is, where do you think the millennials in India today are thinking about the future of the country? I mean, ultimately, maybe this question sounds it's too big, but I still want to ask is, how do you think the younger generations to perceive the future direction for this country? Is it really heading to, again, you call it westernization, or you call it globalization, or... We should, or they should keep the country as it is today, but only with Western ideas or uh, only globalized this type of uh, a format. What do you think? Um, the young people, the millennials of India today, uh, they they do have a lot of views on where they want the country to go. Um, and obviously not everyone thinks the same way, but I'm talking about a majority of people. And they are extremely curious about where it's going economically. I, I use the word anxious uh, in, the, in answer to your first question, and I'll repeat it. They are very anxious about the, the country's like economic growth. Um, I've written about this a little bit, but 
uh, and it's really strikes me as really fascinating how many of them just like you know keep posting on the internet questions about when will india um match china in economic growth or gdp or like blah 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 like 12 other pointers and 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 that gives you a sense of how competitive they are in terms of where their country is going versus where you know countries that were but but they countries that they, they thought of as um being similar to them have reached uh, they have very similar like you know they they look up to the us a lot in terms mm. of like uh, you know just like economic prosperity about um freedom of um expression about quality of life and they they want um india to like slowly make its way to to that kind of um prosperity also so so there so there is that um politically they are very vocal as well um and you know for since the the 90s india has been on this globalization trajectory and uh, it was more or less kind of going straight forward um but then you know in the last 8 or 9 whatever 10 10 years there's been like a lot of like political upheavals mm-hmm. um and there's been you know there's somehow like the direction of where the country should go politically culturally has been is or is being shaped by the, the current establishment and that direction is inward rather than outward and it's like to believe podcast to go into that but um and because the, you know the establishment has overwhelming support of the youth they they seem to believe to that you know the that you know it is probably better for india economically culturally to turn more inwards now uh so um and to like you know be self reliant to be take pride in our own systems our own capabilities that 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 sort of stuff so i don't know where how you know i don't know where this will go in in the future if there will keep on the path to globalization further mm. or the way that things are going we will turn more inward um in the way that you know many societies um have turned uh, so so it's it's a really uh curious time and a time of great churn of course you're right i 100% agree with you this is the age of unknown you know again uh not to repeat what i said before but under this age of globalization it's rather difficult and more challenging to know where each country is heading towards the future but let's talk about the next part leadership we know narendra modi made the news headlines quite often these days and as you mentioned not only that in terms of this leadership style with the western leaders today but also with the neighboring countries such as china and russia all those countries now without being so political i want you to talk about how would you describe narendra modi and his leadership today from your perspective as a journalist 
and as someone that who actually stood on the side of the younger generations to evaluate this person, what can you say about him and his leadership style today? Um, I mean, as a leader, he's seen by Indians to be strong and um, and authoritative, um, and you can interpret that in any way that you like. But it's this leadership style is. I mean, this leadership style is not new for India. They, we've had leaders in the past who were also seen as very strong and authoritative. But he um, also combines with it the kind of like popular mass support that you know uh, any political leader hasn't hasn't seen in in the country's recent past. So that makes him a very striking political force because he, he has the majority in parliament he people like in the last this is the second term and um coming back to power the this party won even more votes than the last time so like you know the people seem to have really put their faith back in him um mm. so he he enjoys that kind of validation but he also uses that validation to push for just his way and for a country of india's size where we have so like in china we have so many regions we have um so many you know so much diversity in in what people want for their region or you know what see as see in their best interest based on where they live what language they speak what businesses they are uh, engaged in um so it's seen as a little bit problematic that he sets the agenda because we we are not a i mean it's still a democracy and he you know he is the leader of, of the whole parliament um and more than 500 mps but so that that's the so his leadership style is is seen both as problematic by his critics and by his supporters especially the indian youth who in survey after survey um share their preference for a strong leader um so by, by them he's seen as um his leadership style is seen is seen as um is good something that is desirable so that that the contradiction i think modi that if i'm not mistaken that he actually was the first few leaders when former us president donald trump was elected he was the few leaders actually congratulated this leader and he was invited to meet with the former us president but meanwhile almost at the same time that us and china two countries were caught in the trade war and every single country especially in asia were looking for ways either to maybe a peacemaker or maybe to be a mediator but meanwhile i think india was actually you know correct me if i'm wrong that was actually caught in the middle because it was really difficult to balance the relationship between modi with the us and also us with china but again from your journalistic perspective Would you say Modi was the type of person that more focused on solution based or is more about to say 
how may I describe it fairly? I am going to make sure that I don't get myself caught in the middle of the tension so that I am not going to lose the partnership with neither of the side. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think that the first part of your question is very accurate. Um, th that's what happened with the US, India and China triangle. Um, when India was trying to be, you know, in, in the US's good books, uh, but also not lose its sort of trade relationship with, with China. Um, I mean, China is India's number one uh, business partner. Mm. Um, but I don't think that uh, as far as India's foreign policy goes, and I know that I described him as a very strong and authoritative leader. I mean, India's foreign policy is more complicated and um, and is guided by several other factors as well. Um, in terms of Modi's leadership style, I would say that, you know, he is a man who makes his belief to make his decisions himself um, and to really sort of um, expect, I mean, he expects like everyone under him to to, fo to follow his decision just word by word. I mean, that, that has been that has been his style for seven for seven eight, seven years now um and it's quite well known um this is a person like a prime minister who's not allowed a single press conference mm. um so um it's it's you know it's not he's not a leader who likes to be questioned or being corrected or or you know likes to have wide-ranging discussions or anything. A lot of controversial laws in India, I mean, you can read up on, on them so you know that I'm not being judgmental, have been passed um, by, you know, just because like the Prime Minister or people very close to him were interested in passing those laws for their for their political gains. So, so like the India's democratic system is not the strongest that um, it could be right now um and a lot of that is attributed to his leadership style but i want to know how does his personality actually fit into this fast developed country again let's go back to the younger generations I think today if i'm not mistaken the millennials that they are looking for someone who can bring them or elevate the country to the next level. Granted that maybe this person who doesn't enjoy all the criticism or maybe this person who refuse or maybe refuse is not the right word, but, but the person who prefers not to be uh, put on the negative side, you know, because ultimately he need to care about his image or he care his uh, um, how the public perceive this person but so that's why the question is how do you think that Modi today it's fitting into the younger generation's narration would you say he's getting more challenged by the youth or he's actually someone the millennials are exactly looking for There is a vast majority of young Indians who are still very attracted to him um, and will not ever blame him for anything. In that, you know, he they, they're 
their their extreme loyalty lies with with him. Um, and you're right that he Modi was seen as a an icon for India's development, for the hopes of India sort of you know launching into superpower status um, after so many delays. Um, and and that is how he pitched himself in the first election in 2014. um and there was a lot of buzz around how you know there there would be so many reforms and um he you know he'll completely sort of change how corporate sector works how the job market works how uh, social security works but it's been 7 years since and and i think that the youths are attracted to him but at the same time they're not stupid um mm. so they they can see that their lives have not changed um you know that they they're not better today than they were 7 years ago when mm. they were so desperate for change and yet yet uh, many of them still put their faith in him and i don't think that he only stands for modernity and development um he also stands for something that you shouldn't take lightly um he stands for um you know this um this like you know cultural movement that has been going on in in india under under his government and the you know the right wing establishment that he belongs to for for several several decades um and you know that is to make india more ethnically homogenous for uh, you know to to make it less diverse um in terms of how people how power is distributed amongst people of various communities religions so uh, and i spoke earlier about how there is you know this project to turn india inward is also being seen as tied to his um his party and his government so and and those movements have a strong support from within the youth and um who i described as as very traditional so um so i am yeah this, this i i don't know if i'm being clear so uh so whether or not he can fulfill those promises of turning india around of making it an economic superpower he will to a large degree still have the support of indian millennials mm. because they are not only thinking in terms of uh you know the country's prosperity or their own um ambitions uh, but they're also thinking of you know how they they want the country to be culturally mm okay i got two more questions before letting you go i know your time is very precious now your book it's actually being translated into different languages including chinese And so that's why we were able to connect with each other and while I was reading your first book in Chinese which is quite phenomenal and I'm sure that a lot more readers would like to know what are you trying to let readers outside India to understand your book because again granted a lot of times when we are reading the author internationally i think at the end of the book personally speaking i always ask the question is i think this is the 
the point that the author want us to understand. Or I think this is the uh, the the core or the value that the author wrote this book at the first place. So the next question to you is, Slikta, for your book to be translated into different languages internationally, what do you want readers outside India to understand or to take away from your book? Uh, thank you. That's a that's a great question. Um, I um, hope that I mean the, the book is in a lot of foreign markets by now, the US, the UK, and and now in China, and and I hope it reaches more markets. And in each of these markets, I hope that the readers will have different perception. Um, mm. You know, in the US, in the UK, also known as the West. There's been this perception of India that is very static. People think when I go abroad, right, uh, have an opportunity to to talk in the US or the UK, people still think that India is a country of temples and Taj Mahal and millions of poor people living on the streets. But it's much more than that. Um, and you know, we have, like I said, we have so many tensions going on. There's the culture is changing so rapidly. Mm. The politics is changing so rapidly. There, um, you know, they, they, there's so much um, promise attached to tech in India, and and all of these things, I, I will have an impact on, um, uh, you know, the the whole world. And so I I want their view of India to be to be shaken by this book. Uh, you know, from China, I'll have very different expectations because, mm. again, it's a country of um, overwhelmingly young people. Mm. Again, some of the shifts like rural to urban or from farming-based lifestyles to very urban, um, you know, professional-based lifestyles. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, the tensions with the West, um, et cetera, uh, you know, this desire to define themselves etc they are they are these are common struggles so and i already believe that it's there have been so many discussions amongst the chinese youth after a couple of extracts were published uh, and they were both amused by how indian millennials think and uh live to some extent and and found resonances and so i so i think that it will be i yeah i hope that the reactions will be very different in china the reactions will be very different in Parts of Africa, which are still emerging, um, like in the case of India, they also bank on their demographic dividend. They, um, you know, they also have democracies that are kind of sometimes work, sometimes don't work. So, you know, like I, I believe that the book was published in parts of Africa. I could have that kind of reaction. So, uh, I'm so I'm really happy that uh, it book is reaching different markets and. Um, and the perception can't be the same. Mm. Well, I mean, again, as I mentioned before, and I always say this to all the guests, if you ever get the chance to travel to Beijing, China, and please let us know, and we would love to host you, and we would love to show you around, especially provide the opportunities for you to engage with the millennials in China and across the countries. With that said, Snikna Putman is a journalist and a writer based in India, and she has reported on national affairs for multiple credible journalist resources. 
And of course, I strongly encourage everyone to check out her latest book. It's called Dreamers, How Young Indians Are Changing the World. And this book actually can be found on Amazon. And also, currently, it's already translated into Chinese and in the market as well. So again, thank you so much for taking your time. And thank you so much for sharing your insight with us.